Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Dane Christensen. Hello there. And Megan Strand. Hey. And we are the Naked Marketers. Thank you for downloading the show. We uh, we appreciate you uh, gathering around the old hi-fi with us today. We've got a great show coming up. Uh, uh, we are going to be talking to our, our very special guest this week is Frederick Van Johnson. Frederick is the uh, uh, podcast uh, luminary, impresario, host of This Week in Photography podcast from the Pixel Core Network. He is also a, a new media marketer and has started a new company uh, that we're going to be, uh, that he's just launching. It hasn't doesn't even have an official uh, site up yet, but uh, we're going to talk about what has driven him to start his new business in the new media marketing field and how these new tools are going to help drive your messaging uh, in uh, today and in the future. So we're very excited to have Frederick join us a little bit later. In the meantime, what have you people been up to the last uh, couple of weeks? I've missed you so much. I've missed you guys too. Yeah, it's been lonely for sure. Oh, Dane, I sometimes I wonder if you if you think about us at all. <laughs> I do. You don't respond to email. He and... thinks about ways to make fun of me. That's what he thinks about. He does. And to be, oh. and to be sexist and... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, no. Megan, uh, am I sexist? That email was not very nice that you sent to me, Dane. Which one? What are you going to say? What are you going to say to that, Dane? <laughs> I don't remember sending it. Was the just, the it was the it was just like a woman yeah. to... To skip out on a meeting or something. Flaky, yeah. Yeah. Oh like gosh. Well, well, you know, it's you know, I the, love you, Dane. The least that, of your sins at this that's point, the right? Only reason I kid you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's uh, let's jump into it. There's some interesting uh, interesting news and trends going on this week, and I I I feel I, a rant coming on. I feel no, a rant. No, you know, I'm a, I'm a confused individual. Well, this is yeah, this yeah. Is true. Indeed. Can we talk about Facebook? How are you guys feeling about Facebook right now? I'm feeling a little Question. confused about Facebook. I think. Um, Why? Why are you confused about Facebook? Why am I confused about Facebook? Because I feel like they're what they are doing is making the whole privacy question very confusing. Like it's it's hard to wrap your head around what what they're doing. You know that they're messing with privacy make you know restricting your privacy settings and um it sort of feels like you as a facebook user is sort of getting shoved into the corner without many options but i don't 100 percent understand it and i think they're doing that on purpose well and let me ask you guys this uh, so the announcement what a few days ago was uh, oh sorry for making uh uh, privacy settings so complex. We were really just trying to protect you in so many different ways and, and, and let you have ultimate control. But here's what let's do. We'll, we'll make it really simple. We'll have a couple of really easy buttons so you don't have to think too much about it. And that'll solve all the problems. Yeah. I mean, do, uh, have you checked Ex- out? The, except uh, it's not true. I mean, <laughs> have, you, have you checked out the privacy settings map? No. It's, it's not. No. It, it's like Megan says, it's, it's not true. That is not true. What they have <laughs> what they have done is they have made it incredibly convoluted, and and it's you know there I guess there is one you can log into the privacy settings and see, um, and and there's an option to see how your profile looks to specific other people, which is good. That's I mean, that, helpful. That's that is helpful. Um, however, in doing so, uh, at least last week they had a loophole uh, or a a bug in the system where if you looked at it from the perspective, like if I I said I want to see how my profile looks to Megan Strand. 
it would show me that view, and then it would also show me as you uh, all of my friend connections and private chats that are going on between you know me and other people, so that you could, if you looked at my profile like that, you could it would expose all of my my uh, private information to you. That's good. Now that has been That's fixed. Uh, you know they they have fixed that, but it's just that sort of one. It's a parade of of um, you know one thing after another that Facebook this, has, you has know, done. This is one of those things that makes me a little bit cranky in that, okay, the three of us are in the marketing profession. We pay attention to this stuff. We're trying to keep apprised of it. But the typical Facebook user is not. No. So um, that's what makes me a little bit cranky about this in that if I can't figure it out, I'm sorry. I'm not stupid. I'm not brilliant, but I'm not stupid. If I can't figure it out, um, what about all those other people out there that are you know, maybe – may be harmed through this because it's just not even on their radar. They don't know which questions to ask and they're just going to hit it and go, I have no idea what the hell this well, is. Well, and, you kind of uh, have two problems. makes me cranky. It's like the insurance companies. It makes me a little cranky. It, and I, th I think you kind of have two problems. You have either, uh, I think the majority of people who, who just sort of, well, gosh, it is what it is. And I'm really not going to spend the time to go and, exactly. and set and, and make it all complicated. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just assume I don't have privacy or you have the people who've been really following and, and they care about privacy. Those people are now complaining that, wow, is this like what the 10th time in the last year I've had to go in and reset my, exactly. my privacy settings. Exactly. You know, here's, here's the thing. Uh, my cousin is, um, you know, it is a teenager. Um, you know, she's 16 and she's on Facebook and we're friends, which is a good thing. I like finding out what she's up to, but I can also see pictures of her doing things that, you know, she, that a high school girl does, right? I see her at the, you know, parties and whatever. And it's, it's, you know, it's a little cringeworthy as a father of a, you know, seven year old. But, you know, I, she is not friends with her mother on Facebook. Right mm. now, her mother now she thinks that her, she is protected because she's not friends with her mother, but her privacy settings are set that, you know, all of her friends can see her pictures and so can her friends of friends. Uh -huh. So she is not aware <laughs> that her mother, as a friend of mine, can see everything that she's doing. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, now that is that's not the kind of of privacy issue that I the problem with the privacy that I have right now. Um, that you know, her mother is seeing her at parties. That's probably not a bad thing. The problem is she represents the vast majority of Facebook's nearly five hundred million users who don't think about this stuff, right? Who who don't understand that these relationships that Facebook gives you the opportunity to to change and tweak that. You know, they, they don't think about it. They don't go in and they don't they don't make those changes. And that's a problem that I have right now. I think Z I had a comment on my blog from Zadi, who uh, is uh, who was commenting on, on a post that I wrote about Facebook that I think makes a really good point. She says, a friend of mine remarked recently that the problem of Facebook is that they have replaced their central user, college kids initial, initially, later any person. Their central user is now an ad unit. With advertising as their sole revenue model, they're making all the decisions around what will create right. traffic for those ads. Right. And she says, I'd credit his remark, but it was a discussion over beers, and it would be ironic in a discussion of privacy to not ask his permission. <laughs> anyway, he made a very good point. Facebook is forgetting that the masses of the web are a fickle bunch, and if we get too scared or annoyed with the bargain, which they keep changing on us, we'll simply find another place to converge. 
Right. Yeah, it's happened well, before. Right? I mean, you would you would think that these guys would be a little terrified uh, of that happening, and I would say that it it feels to me very much like their uh, number one. Well, it it feels to me like they've been very focused on 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 growth uh, in, in any segment, and that they want, even though these guys have been profitable for a while, like they're not a, a hurting. You know, it's not like they don't have a revenue model. Um, but it is, so it feels a little greedy uh, to to make advertisers um, their central concern because it feels to me like that is their central concern, uh, and of course that you know it, it's great if they can turn their 400 million uh, users, um, you know, make make it work for advertisers, and and I think it's a good ad, uh, platform for advertisers. But these over the past year they've done so much that I think has been has played into that. It, it, and I think they just, at this point, really risk losing it all. Well, I mean, think about, you know, five years ago, we were having these conversations about MySpace, that, you know, MySpace was at the top of the top of the heap, you know, and now it's it's been relegated to second class, third, fourth class citizen. And, and I think that's that's the, the issue for Facebook. It's got a huge audience right now, but, you know, there's always another tool. And I think that's what, more than anything else, people are, are looking for, and when when you have luminaries and uh, you know uh, who are saying Facebook is not the end all be all, we're going to look for something else. Eventually, that sinks in. I don't think it sinks in overnight, but over the course of three four years, I, I think it sinks in. Peter, talk about the emails that you got, the Jason Nation. Oh, you know this Schumer. is this is kind of a thing. If you're not a member of Jason Calcanis's email list, you know he's he's a, a venture capitalist and and um, uh, you know tech pundit. Interesting guy, and he he stopped blogging in favor of of cultivating this email list, which has thousands and thousands of people, or twenty three thousand people on it. And so every now and again, he, you know, sends out this, uh, you know, his his email, which always has some great stuff to it. So head over to jasonnation.com if you and and subscribe to that. Uh, this week, his email uh, was about. Facebook, and I'm going to read in in part of it here, uh, and and encourage you to go uh, uh, look for it uh, on his site. J Nation, I've decided that this Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, I will broadcast the deletion of my Facebook page live on the internet, and then he posts a Bitly link to it. Simply put, I no longer trust Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's CEO, with my information. Additionally, Facebook has become a waste of time for me. Every minute I put into Facebook is a minute I will never get back. It's time I could have spent writing one of these emails to you guys, finding new startups to invest in, working on Mahalo.com, which is almost profitable, or spending time with my family. Facebook is a Ponzi scheme run by a very bad actor. The best way to express our discontent with Mark Zuckerberg is to simply walk away. We trusted Zuckerberg with our personal information, and he has abused that trust over and over again. He won't come forward and discuss the issue with anyone in the industry, including his own users. Question, what kind of CEO gets slammed like Zuckerberg and has, the, has in the last week and doesn't make themselves available to discuss the issue with the press or users? Answer, a guilty one. Ow. Now you know there's that last point is a is a good one. I mean Zuckerberg has been has been thrashed in the last week, but you know we've reached out to Facebook employees to come talk to us about changes going on at Facebook, mm. and their response time and again has been we as a company don't talk to people on podcasts or blogs, and we don't have an open kind of transparent. 
just so weird. It's weird. It's it's uh, hypocritical and it's creepy and it's creepy and it says it makes you feel like they're going through people's Facebook exactly <laughs> and and for the for the longest time and I can't remember what it was there was a published uh, the uh, password a master password at Facebook where any engineer could log in to anyone's Facebook page. Uh, yeah, in the on the back end, so too. you know, hundreds of engineers have access to this master password, and that was, you know, I'm that was probably set with the with the best intents to be able to, you know, build the platform. But it's not good practice, and it's not good practice to leave that kind of a backdoor open. No, uh, on, no. A, on a large thing. So I, you know, I, I think uh, here's the big question: as marketers, as you know, you guys, as people who are working with other with clients. Mm-hmm. on helping them figure out the best channels of distribution. How do you handle Facebook? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I, I can't answer it, Pete, because I'm... Oh, there it is. Sorry. I turned... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, turned Google, I turned Google Chrome into a full page and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> I was really so caught on that. Now I figured out how it works. I'm so sorry. All right. I, you know, I think... Um, you know, one of the stories we were going to talk about that we're not going to um, is this new uh, shopping cart e-commerce application through Facebook called Pavement. Um, and it's a free application for retailers who can sell their wares online. And at first it seemed like a great thing, but in light of everything that's happening, it makes me sort of question the integrity of that application if it's linked with Facebook. Um, you don't want to be taking people's credit card numbers if there's uh, privacy and security issues, and I know they're you know not exactly the same thing, but at the same it's time, it's that guilt by association. Well, thing. sort of, yeah. and you know, and at the same time, I originally thought, oh, that's a pretty cool thing. That's a good tool for retailers. But now, I'm kind of in this sort of wait and see, and I and I think that's where I would be. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I don't think I would cancel client accounts on Facebook. I'm, I'm not feeling that dramatic about it. But um, to me, you know, Peter, you're the early adopter, so I'm just gonna watch what you do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, to me, it's kind of a wait and see. I mean, I think they need to come out and do something. And if they don't, I think they're, it's going to be their demise. So, well, well uh, I think, I think from a PR standpoint, they, they are sort of stuck. Um, like I, I don't worry about any of my clients, uh, advertising on Facebook. I don't, and I don't, I don't really worry about, um, you know, uh, that kind of security, I guess, if, you know, like shopping carts and that sort of thing. I think the, the it's a social thing. And I think the decisions to use or, or not to use right now tend to be. I mean, I, there's some, there there are some sort of alarmist statements, I guess, that hey, you really should not trust these guys, um, like with any of your data. And maybe people are thinking, well, you know, I haven't put social security numbers, and that I mean, I've just sort of put pictures of my family and stuff. I, I, I for the most part, have thought previously that this is kind of just about you know, d- does somebody get offended by something you post and you didn't know they could see it or something like that? Um, maybe it is at a much, you know, higher level than that. But uh, I-, I think the wait and see for me is uh, do some of these high profile uh, abandonments start mm-hmm. to trickle down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. They, I, you know, when the when the pundits start deleting their accounts yeah, know, that's not a good publicly, sign. That, that just doesn't seem like a good sign. But see, I you know, I go back to that question, Dane. I'm with you. I mean, I don't necessarily think that, that I, you know, I'm not worried about the, uh, about the, maybe I should be, about, you know, shopping cart private information, you know, taken for my clients who advertise on Facebook. You know, I worry about, um, you know, what message does it send that, 
I have a personal bias against Facebook, and yet I still recommend it as a, a key advertising right. revenue or advertising opportunity. That's where the people are right now. Uh, and so you sort of have to take advantage of that at the same time, you know, how much money do I want to keep pumping into this, uh, this organization that clearly has some issues with, uh, you know, how they handle uh, and, and what their final motivation is. In, in terms of like, uh, I don't know about private information, I guess, just information about you. D does anybody, I mean, do, <laughs> do you feel like Google has more you know, private information about you than Facebook does. Yes, and that's a really interesting. Uh, good segue, it's Dane. It's a good segue, Dane. Look at you. <laughs> but it's. A, but I have a question. I mean, you know, do why do we seem to trust Google more? Well, I think the segue is actually a really great example of why we trust Google more. So the the story that that happened this week is the the Google Google uh, class action lawsuit because um, uh, has had a class action lawsuit filed against it because the Street View cars that go around and take pictures of you know all the streets for Google Maps uh, was actually collecting data, uh, specific data from users' Wi-Fi nodes as they would drive down the street. If you had a open Wi-Fi. It would be collecting data on your network. Now, uh, the difference between Google and Facebook when a, when this class action lawsuit comes up is, you know, Facebook typically responds with, you know, we're we're changing the world and what we're doing is right, and you're going to get used to it. it. And, By the way, privacy is yeah, privacy is dead. Get over it. It's exactly. Right? And and to be fair, Eric Schmidt at Google has said some very similar things. But the difference here is, Google came out and said, you know what? Oh my God, you're right. We did collect data, and we are we have isolated that data on our network, and we've brought in data security authorities uh, who are helping us delete that data securely and verify that it's off our network. We don't want it. We don't. We never wanted to have it. It was part of Google beta code that had from our labs that was in testing, and then you know we sort of just didn't notice that it had gone to, into production in the Street View cars. We're sorry. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. Now, the same thing happened with Google Buzz. Uh, you know, there's another really interesting story of, of privacy gone awry. Uh, Google announces Buzz, which is a new status update and, you know, uh, push service that's akin to some cross between Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but they built it into Gmail. So when users log into their Gmail accounts, they get, uh, you know, they see a buzz stream of everybody who is who should be following them. Uh, and it built that list algorithmically based on people you email most often. So now what's what was or not now, but so immediately after launch, what was suddenly made public was not the relationships that, you know, between your uh, friends and and, you know, peers in your whatever work community, but your relationship between you and your CPA or you and your parole officer, just because you emailed them frequently. Right now, Google immediately. I mean, I think it was within 24 hours of the uproar. They they came out and said, you know, wow, we totally didn't even see this coming because we've been testing Buzz internally in our own network, and those are all relationships that are okay to be publicized. We are so sorry, and they fixed it. It it was over within a week. It was gone. I mean, that was just not an issue you talked about anymore. So Google here is developing this history of, you know, yeah, we screwed up, and and we're going to fix it, and we're sorry building trust with users 
and and protecting identity, and Facebook ha- is giving it away. You have to wonder though if they're just being smarter about it. I mean, I, the Google has, you know, the way that they've set up their infrastructure is such that they have massive amounts of data on all of us, you know, and and that's the point. So I just wonder if, you know, to Dane's point, why do we trust Google more? They probably have more information on us than Facebook does. Maybe they're just being smarter about well, it from well, public here's... relations. Like, you know, let's do the right thing. But really, you know, we have all of this data. I mean, I don't think anybody even knows what kind of data Google has on us. Well, um, that's that's the that. thing, though. All you have to it's do like to find rail. all you have to do to find out what data has they have on you is search for it, because Google's data by default was already public to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. If Google has it. Yeah, I, I guess I see that. OK. Now, Facebook is the absolute opposite. By default, when you signed up, the promise that Facebook made to you was this is between you and your friends. Right. Not the whole world. And and over the last two years, every successive update to the terms of, of agreement have exposed more of your data. There's a fantastic visual uh, that we'll post in the show notes um, that. that uh, actually shows over time all of the stuff in Facebook on you that has been exposed to the world, and it's it's stunning. Did you know the terms of service now, uh, at the as of the last update this last month, is now longer than the U.S. Constitution? <laughs> uh, minus I amendments. I saw that on your. Did you blog that, about that? I did. I posted that on my blog. Now it, that that is a stunning thing to me that there is so much legality over so many different areas in Facebook that they need that many words in a row to talk <laughs> about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know for sure, Pete. If if uh, if Google has always proven themselves to be as trustworthy as you know, I guess as I perceive them to be, but but it's going to sound like an old guy thing to to, to say. But I, I sort of feel like Google has some more sort of um, grown ups on staff than Facebook does. Yeah. But I also think Google made has made it. Uh, I think Google has sort of operated as, you know, a large company that knows that there are laws and, and issues and, and uh, um, y- y- more so, in my opinion, than Facebook has. I think Facebook has tried to pretend it's still sort of a college startup, even though it's got 400 million users. I, I, I think Google, Google has, um, you know, I mean, they've just sort of acted like a mature company. Um, yeah. in, in dealing with legislators if they have to, you know, governments. Um, well, you know, that's another segue. We didn't talk about the Chuck Schumer email. Yeah. Uh, just briefly before we wrap up, I think you, you bring up a great point. When I get an email from, from you know, Senator Schumer that says to me, uh, you know, every day we entrust more and more of our private information to websites and social networks like Facebook. So I take Internet privacy seriously. That's why I'm so concerned with the changes Facebook recently made to its privacy policy and the use of personal data on third party websites, yada, yada, yada. Um, the information that Facebook is now sharing with third parties and with the public is very different from the spirit of the site's previous terms of service. Certain parts of your profile, including your hometown, interest, activities, and your profile picture, must be made public or they must be deleted, even if yeah. you restricted whom they were sharing with, shared with before. Certain third-party partners now have access to all of this information, including your list of friends and their information, as soon as you visit their websites without asking your permission. And I've got to say, it's not just my political leanings that would make me um, take more notice of a Chuck Schumer email uh, th- than a oh, Michelle Bachman email. Yeah. 
No, I, you know, I, that's this now, guy. Do you get Michelle Bachman emails? I don't. I'm just kidding. I don't. But but you know, that's the point, right? I mean, this is a guy who a doesn't write guys like me because you know he doesn't do a lot of this stuff, and uh, he also if he did, you'd be on the list. I'm also surprised that a guy like Chuck Schumer is writing an email about Facebook. That's the last thing I would imagine getting from it's, him. Yeah, no, that, that I'm raising an eyebrow right yeah. now. You can't see it, but I got one up. Yeah. So Almost you know, two. you know who I think uh, who I think would have an opinion on this. Do you, Frederick? I don't. I think Frederick Van Johnson would have an opinion on this. Let's ask him. Let's do that. Our special guest, Frederick Van Johnson. Frederick, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's just a treat to have you on. Uh, uh, it, for those who who have never heard of Frederick, well, uh, this is uh, we, this is our gift to you. Uh, Frederick is a host of an of a, an extremely popular uh, photography podcast, This Week in Photography, uh, which you can find at twiplog.com. You must go check out that podcast. Uh, how long have you been acting uh, uh, as the uh, Host and luminary of this week in photography, Frederick. As the host of the show, I've been on the show for a couple of years. But when I was when I was you know active duty at Adobe, um, I couldn't actually host the show because right. it was sort of a conflict of interest. I was managing Lightroom, which is uh, you know of course competitive to Apple, and right. you know so it wasn't sort of fair you know with the show trying to be egalitarian and all that. So um, when I left Adobe, when they had the layoffs, you know the the first round of layoffs. I um, I was able to take the reins as host, and this was about eighteen months ago, maybe maybe mm-hmm. encroaching on two years actually. Yeah, so it's about two years ago I did that. Well, it's a it is a terrific show, and if you're interested in in either photography or just listening to good podcasts and terrific interviews, you should definitely check that out. Uh, but that's not actually why we uh, invited you to join our show this morning. Uh, you are. Now, let's see, you were at uh, Adobe Managing Lightroom, as you said. Mm-hmm. You left Adobe and you went to uh, Drobo, is that right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. As, as uh, uh, in marketing. Mm-hmm. And it, those are two great companies. Uh, unfortunately, you're, you know, the, with the layoffs in Adobe, that's one thing. Drobo, you left now to do your own thing. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I want to talk to you about what is your own thing now and, and, uh, and uh, get some insights into, into um, how you're going to change the world. Sure, yeah, I'm really excited about this. It's, it's sort of like one of those things that you feel like you've been training for, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now you finally get to go and do it. So, you know, my, my history is in marketing and photography, you know, almost left brain, right brain kind of thing. Um, back in the early days, I was at Yahoo um, in the marketing department, and we were, you know, on the marketing team and, you know, sort of changing the world bit by bit, page by page. And then I was at Apple um, helping manage um, the, the consumer photography products. And, and in my case, it was iPhoto. So I handle iPhoto and the iPhoto books and prints business. Again, the marketing side of that, that those two businesses. And then um, at Apple, of course, or I'm sorry, at Adobe with Lightroom. So managing Lightroom marketing. And then most recently at Data Robotics or Drobo with managing their consumer line of products and getting the word out. Um, and each one of those companies had a, you know, it's, they're clearly different companies, but there, there were huge similarities in the things that they needed to get done and the roadblocks internally on getting things done marketing-wise. And, you know, I found myself uh, just sort of looking back on it at each company fighting the, the same battles in terms of trying to educate people about social media and 
um, you know, email marketing and just Facebook, all this stuff. And, you know, there's incredible resistance in certain companies to open the kimono or to allow a two-way conversation between the customers and the company. Because, uh, you know, the, the shock is generally, well, they may say something bad and we'll have to respond to it, which is, yeah, which yeah. is you know, it, it's, it's strange, but that's, that's the general sentiment. Like if we, they're, they're big, most companies or a lot of companies think if we, if we say open a forum, if we open a forum, oh no, that'll give our users a platform to talk to us and then we'll have to answer. And they think that's a bad thing. So what I decided to do with mediabytes.com, uh, which is the company that we're launching on June 1st, is to take a fresh look at marketing from the standpoint of what are corporations sort of hamstrung by today and what can we do to jump in there and sort of be their, their scapegoat in terms of this is exactly how you do social media. This is how you reach the Twitter audience. This is how you reach a Facebook audience. This is how Facebook advertising works. This is how it doesn't work. This is how email marketing should work. This is how it doesn't, you know, all that stuff. So depending on the client, we put together marketing strategies um, that cover all of those sort of next generation marketing vehicles and then wrap it up in a nice bow and execute it for them. So they could just basically sit back and, and watch, the, uh, watch their Twitter audience grow and their Facebook fans increase and their hopefully sales increase. What's your uh, what's your pitch? Because yeah, I mean, here you're, you're you, what we're hearing, you know, what you're saying, and I'm certainly I'm right with you on on what I'm hearing from my clients is that there's an there's an enormous fear about these tools, right? An enormous sort of paranoia about how we're going to open and engage a dialogue with our with our companies. How do you get your uh, you know how do you and I know you haven't even launched the company yet, but I'm <laughs> you know prognosticating a little bit. How do you get your first client uh, over the hump to trust you? You know, that's, it's, in, it's interesting as you say that. It's, uh, it, it, it's already happened. So it's, it's social media already. So the fact that I have a significant following and I've been in the industry doing this stuff for, you know, I don't even want to count the years now, but for, for a long time, um, getting clients is not an issue. You know, the, the issue for us right now is picking and choosing which clients to take because we have a finite amount of time to, to dedicate to each one to, you know, to sort of under promise and over deliver as you know you you know that's right. the that's the mo that you want to do with these these kind of these kind of business initiatives but we uh you know we're we're we almost have a waiting list right now so getting the clients in the door is not the issue the issue is making sure that we pick and choose the clients that we want to service initially um, so that we can, A, build up that client portfolio, you know, not that we're saying, well, we're not going to help you because you don't have a big enough name. But in, in a way, we kind of have to do that in the beginning because we're building the site and we're building a client portfolio. And we want to make sure that we are, um, you know, putting folks that are notable on there. For mm -hmm. example, one of our first clients will be um, a, a small company called SmugMug. So <laughs> helping them with their marketing, you know, it's yeah, a big fan. So, yeah. Yeah. So things like that. And in my the niche for for media bites is or the initial niche is um creatives which is my backyard right so helping creatives get the word out about their their various products and services or creative businesses or businesses that are that service creatives like smug mug so my question frederick is you had you had said that you will not only come in and show them what needs to be done and how to do it but that you're also going to be executing so my question there is What's that balance between having the company own their own 
social conversations and having somebody like you guys do it for them? Like, how do, how do you make those two mesh to, so that the customer and people that are interacting with the company have an authentic experience where they feel like they are interacting with the company, not an outsourced agency? Yeah, not someone that, that barely knows anything about the company and that's trying to talk on the company's behalf, right? right. Um, well, it's a, it's a case-by-case basis. Right? It's a, so, it, again, it goes back to being very selective about the clients that we bring on. We don't want to bring on companies that we don't know much about, but ironically or, or fortunately, we know a lot about the companies that are in the creative space initially. Mm-hmm. So we can there's – there's, there's that balance you mentioned. Megan, there's the balance of do you take it all on or do you, in terms of do you own the voice for a particular company or do you just train them and let them take it over? So it's, right. it's a case-by-case basis. So on some, for some companies, they're, they're savvy or they have people internally that are savvy on these different these social media engines. Um, so they can take it on themselves. So we can, we can build the architecture. We can build the, the marketing strategy and the plan and, and give them some light training on execution and step back and move into more of a um, consultancy or watcher mode. Um, for others, or especially the smaller companies that have really light marketing staffs, we, are, we would step in fully and take it over and make sure that we are fully engaged with them so that we know what their message is, we're, we're in tune with their, with their top three bullet points, and we know uh, the majority of the questions that may pop up on Twitter, and we have a fallback of a person internally if we need to, uh, we need to bounce something off of. Do you, Frederick, do you think, um, or do you see this as, in most of the cases, as you move forward with companies, a replacement for a traditional PR strategy, an enhancement to it? Are you looking to kind of do both for them? Um, it's, you know, I think we're, we're, we're in a transitional period right now. I mean, it's, I think it'll be a long sort of transition, um, long, relatively speaking, in Internet terms. But old traditional, and I don't want to call it old media, but we'll say traditional media, like your your full-page magazine ads, your billboards, your interrupt-driven commercials on broadcast, you know, those kind of things. We're, we're not interested in helping with those kind of things. So, and we're, we are interested in doing, we're, the, the whole 80-20 rule, we're interested in being the fulcrum in that 80-20 so that we can help help the company use 20% of what they were doing or 20% of the resources that they were spending on, say, a magazine ad to reach 80% of the overall people that they were trying to get with their whole marketing strategy. So we're, we're, we're seeing the, the whole marketing space or in terms of new media marketing as the end game, you know, as the you know, it, it's hard to say that the whole thing is the end game, but the the it's a conglomerate. It's almost like HTML5, right? It, HTML5 is a group of technologies. Social media is a group of different ways that people get the word out about their products or services, which are morphing every single day. And there's different things happening every single day. Google's doing different things every single day. Companies can't afford to stay on top of that every single day, but we can. So we're staying we're staying on that side of the fulcrum in terms of we want to be leading edge and bleeding edge in terms of, okay, let's try this. Google just released this new tool. So we're going to see if we can't move the needle and measure it. And if it worked, let's rinse and repeat. Um, whereas a company with, or a corporation with a marketing department that spends 90% of their day sitting in meetings can't really be that nimble. So you know, we're, we're focusing more of our efforts on the, the next generation with an eye 
to the past so that we can still communicate with people that are, you know, still have one foot in the tar pit. I mean, how do you feel about, uh, say, uh, uh, your traditional PR agency? Um, so I'm trying to think of like, you know, one that's maybe been around for 10 years or, or gosh, let's say 30 uh, or, uh, and, you know, they've got five employees and it's just traditional PR. And, and let's say they have uh, decided not to get involved whatsoever with social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, what kind of a, a place do you think there is in the marketplace, you know, five years down the road for that kind of a PR firm? Um, I think it's evolve or die. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, in the, you know, I bring it back to the photography space. It's kind of akin to, or even the, the graphic design space. It's kind of akin to going from traditional paste up type graphic design with, with Ruby lift and exacto knives to the Mac, you know? So the people that you can still do and you can still execute a page layout using those old tools but who wants to, you know, and the people that are using the Mac and Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign and all those tools and are savvy with those can run rings around the person that's whipping out the old exacto knife and the, the drafting table. So it's kind of the analogy is very similar to that. You know, the, the companies that are stayed in the old ways of doing things, you know, it's going to be but it, it, it'll be a slower transition because there's lots of mechanisms in place that play to that. You know, just go sit in your living room and watch watch Lost and get interrupted every, you know, 12 minutes. So it's those kind of things. So it's um, the, the, the companies that are sort of doing the old traditional media will be on a shallow and slow decline. So right. giving them lots of time to <laughs> retool. I mean, you know, it may be heresy, but I think it's, it's a slow, shallow and slow decline. It'll give them lots of time to change and retool and get up to speed with this new stuff. Um, but it won't be a cliff, you know. So the good news, it's not like, okay, tomorrow it's all going away. You know, they so, have, so if you they think you might retire in five years, you might be okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, just wait of, it out. One of the things that I think is interesting, Frederick, listening to you, is, and, and it's sort of what I, I don't know, it's, this is the picture I, I see you painting that I've, um, that I've have felt mm-hmm. uh, is, is what's going on, I guess, or, or is true. Uh, I have felt like, um, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago even, that a PR firm could exist as just a PR firm. And they really didn't need to understand marketing. They didn't necessarily have to know much at all about advertising. Mm-hmm. They really could just exist as a traditional public relations firm. Um, but it sounds like, you know, to sort of launch this cutting edge kind of, you know, social media um, uh, agency or outsource that you don't feel like that can really be done without having uh, a, a good solid understanding uh, of marketing and internet marketing even and, and, and the way things are evolving and, and as you said integrating. Yeah absolutely I mean because you look at it and the the industry is maturing as well I mean you look at say let's, let's take a look at the, the, the wedding photography space um, and the the way that photographers used to market to brides was okay we're going to we're going to make this beautiful, gigantic, leather-bound album for you, and we'll make a set for your parents. And, you know, for each set of parents, it's going to cost you a gazillion dollars, and you'll be able to break it out with white gloves and look at it, when, you know, from time to time on Thanksgiving, that kind of thing. So those brides are now mothers of the brides that are in the Facebook generation. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Now brides want to share their images on Facebook. They want to they want to tweet about their wedding. They want to you know they're engaging with they're engaging with the planet rather than, rather than just a small group of people that may happen by their homes to look at an album. So it's that it's that kind of evolution. You know the the market and the people that are consuming 
the this the media or the customers of these agencies are becoming more and more savvy, you know, and they're becoming more and more, I think, in my opinion, um, and this is this is me speaking, more and more uh, distraught by being bombarded with interrupt driven advertising rather than permission based advertising or relationship based advertising, you know, where you build a relationship with someone, you give them free, 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 you're helping them and nurturing, and then you market to them. So it's that that is sort of the crux of the way I see things or the majority of things going. I think there'll always be a place, um, though diminishing, diminishingly so, uh, for the traditional, because we're always going to have magazines, or at least in the foreseeable future, um, we'll have magazines to look at. They may morph into one format or another. They may go digital and show up on you know devices and that sort of thing. But and with that, there'll be the opportunity for the interrupt-driven advertising, like Apple is is pushing out the iAd service, which is an interrupt-driven sort of advertising mechanism. But if you don't know about that, if you're not savvy on the numbers behind adoption of these, de- these devices or what iAds or those kinds of technologies represent, then you're going to be left behind. And that's where, that's where I think you know, folks that, that <clears throat> shut their, their giant office door and sit behind their oak desk and think things are going to be okay, I think they're, uh, you know, the, the rude awakening is coming in terms of the social media wave. You may say, you know, Facebook is annoying. Twitter is annoying. I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's going to go away like MySpace did. But there'll be a there'll be a it's it's sort of a an evolution because there'll be a stronger one behind it. Well, now I'm so glad you brought that up. Such a nice segue. That was a it? great segue. I don't think you even knew what a great segue that was. <laughs> I got an email, uh, as I'm sure you did as well, from the good Mr. Uh, Jason Calacana saying he's going to live broadcast the deletion of his Facebook account on Friday. My question to you is, when can we expect your live broadcast <laughs> deleting your Facebook account? You know, it's funny. I, I actually may do that. I, I don't know when, but, you know, Jason is following. You know, Leo Laporte did that about I a do. week ago. <laughs> I do. And here's my here's the problem. You know, I mean, I understand there is and, and I, you know, I'm a technologist, too. I get it. It's there is a there is a lot to be annoyed about with Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot. And I I could talk about it all day long. My question is a, is back to the marketing. Three weeks ago, we came on this show, or four weeks, whenever F8 was, and I spent 20 minutes talking about how great all these new tools were. The like button is everywhere. I went on my client sites. I put the like button freaking everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in, as it's my kind of MO, ready, fire, aim, <laughs> I went and digested kind of the implications of all those like buttons. And now I'm not so sure that was the best idea. Yeah. Uh, so the question is this, we know that there are, you know, between four and 500 million user accounts, 200 million of them are active on Facebook. There's also this rising tide of, uh, of folks who are angry with Facebook, feeling like that trust that you talked about just a minute ago has been violated. Mm -hmm. And so as a marketer, how do you sit there and say, Facebook has violated a relationship. I'm not interested in supporting that. And yet, on the other side of your face, Facebook is a pretty terrific place to go because that's where the people are. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like uh, you know marketing in a bad neighborhood that you don't agree with how they do things. So you, you but you still have to reach the customers. Right. So I mean, look, you know, Facebook, like you said, two hundred million people you can't argue with whether whether or not you agree with their privacy policies or what they're doing or or you know the like button button sharing data all. You know, 
or Facebook trying to take over the the internet. It's it's a polarized kind of topic in terms of Facebook is a gigantic fertile group of people. Not everyone, not to offend anyone, but not everyone is as savvy as we are in terms of what Facebook is doing with the data. And no, not most cares. people are not, right? Right. Yeah, most and most people don't even care. They say I want to connect with my friends, you know, whatever. You know, so those and those are customers. Those could be potential customers. So you can't I don't think you can write off Facebook based on your own personal feelings about their privacy policies, especially as a marketer. If you weren't a marketer, then you could say, you know, I choose not to use that service. I choose not to go into that neighborhood. But as a marketer, 200 million people, if you ignore them, you're doing a disservice to your clients because that's just that's a viable way to get the word out. Now, it's there's a line there. I mean, you have to from my perspective, you have to educate your client on the you know, the pitfalls or, or the, the, uh, the negatives, you know, be completely transparent with the client on the privacy issues that are going on with Facebook and just make sure that you are as the, as the, the servicer of that client, um, being upfront about what's happening. If you put that like button on their site, this is what's going to happen. Uh, but you can't ignore it. You can't just, you know, I don't think you can close the door and say, you know, we're not doing that stuff. Well, the, then it, uh, the question becomes, where else do you go? Right. I mean, you say you, you, you hit it. 200 million people. You can't ignore that as a marketer. Uh, and yet, as you're building your bag of tricks and your, your sort of, you know, suite of tools that goes on your rundown every uh, for each of your clients, uh, you know, where else do you invest? Well, there's I mean, there's always a new kid coming. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and right now it's a it's a it's a horse race between Facebook and Google, you know, depending on how you look at the statistics. Um, but it's a mixture of those. You know, it's always going to be a cocktail of services that you put on your rundown for the client. Um, but the uh, you know, for example, your Facebook, it won't be you wouldn't build a strategy and say, hey, hello, this is your Facebook strategy. You know, yeah. you know, it would be Facebook is a component of your strategy. And then depending on the client, maybe that's not even viable. Maybe implementing something like location based services like Foursquare or someone like that and working in that direction might be more viable. So. You know, as as you do that, those those that initial series of consultations, you'll weed out who is or what their their ultimate goal is, and therefore what tools to implement to help them get to their their location. I don't see Facebook as the end all be all, and you're right. I mean, it's it's annoying in in many respects, um, but and it gets increasingly annoying as they as they try to retool and take over the universe. Well, you know, but, I mean, there, there's this there's this this little piece of it that. Uh, you know, I wonder if face Dane said it a few minutes ago, actually, before you came on, he said, you know, part of the problem is, is that Facebook seems like there aren't as many grownups working there as Google. And, and mm -hmm. that that's, that's a big part of it. When I see, you know, Zuckerberg stand up there, I see him as my 16 year old idiot cousin, <laughs> or nephew, who, who like, you know, what does he know from anything? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, of course. he's the kid on that. You remember in the comic books, there was the, the kid on the beach that got sand kicked in his face. Yeah. By the yeah. And then now that, that kid, kid went up to own the world you that's know, right the world. i don't I, I you know who liked that kid you know he's just, this is the kid who you know anyway but but uh you know i want to i want to talk about location-based uh marketing i'm i'm fascinated by this as a new tool you know i think all, all of us are um i think well at this time i think we're recovering foursquare users i mean i i i, I gave it are you a big foursquare fan you know i tried it um and i Maybe maybe I'm just too old because <laughs> so because, funny. That's the exact conversation we had. Yeah, by the time I get to a place, I'm not thinking about telling everybody where I am. <laughs> I'm enjoying the people I'm with. So you know, like, 
That's yeah, such an old thing. Nothing, nothing says I love you than I have to tell everyone else that I'm here. Loving and you. Who wants to know I'm at Target? You know, I'm like, <laughs> well, is that it's so? I well, there you go. A, who wants age. to know you're at Target, Frederick? Target wants to know you're at Target. Exactly. Target wants to target me because I'm at Target. That's right. <laughs> That's right. How meta can you get? An ad for fifty percent off for for the next 12 minutes kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so how do people make that transition? Right. And I, you know, I throw that to Dane and Megan who, uh, Dane, did you quit Foursquare? Did you ever actually start? Uh, I never, no, not you never Foursquare started. Guy. Both Megan and I, I think uh, we tried it and, and quit because it seemed like a useless tool in our bag of tricks. Well, it didn't, it, it didn't work with my flip phone. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's that. There's that. There is. Uh, if you want to surf in this ocean, you need a good surfboard. <laughs> uh, but but you know, it seems like they're making a real play at at uh, you know at being the the next big service. Is location uh, one of the next big things that you uh, you're thinking a lot about? I'm I'm keeping an eye on it right now. I've been I've been in one way or another watching it for the for the last i think 5 years 6 years companies have been threatening to do location based advertising even back in the MVNO days with uh with the Disney Mobile and Boost and all those guys they were you know trying to crack the nut now that we have devices that can make it viable you know it's it's getting more interesting but then it becomes kind of like you know we we we're figuring out how to do it, but should we do it? You know, so I, I don't, I'm from my standpoint, I'm, I'm an audience of one, I'm my own sample. So, yeah, you know, when I look at myself and I think about do, you know, if I'm walking in the mall, um, and for some, some way my phone is broadcasting my location, do I want to get advertisements from the Apple store in the mall or will I feel creeped out about that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it sort it depends. Or if I'm, you know, I'm at a bar downtown San Jose. Do I want to know that my friends are close to me and that I can go to this place for happy hour? That kind of thing. You know, I am I'm still on the fence about it. Like I'm like you guys. I deleted Foursquare from my phone because it was, you know, I wasn't using it. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm out of the demographic. But in terms of the overall business implications and if it if it makes sense for for companies to start paying attention to it. I think the jury's still out. I think we're still in that watch and see mode. I the um this I I sort of put this uh you know the Farmville type uh, type games in that same category. Uh and yet, you know, I have a a close friend here who says, you know, those games, Farmville, we rule the app economy, that's the new little black dress. Every company needs one. Um uh, and uh I don't have a little black dress per se. <laughs> uh, but but I, I wonder not your uh, your take on that's exactly right, Dane, because not that you talk about you're not a friend of my friends. So you don't know that stuff about me. Uh, the, but but I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting take on the app economy and, mm-hmm. and what is uh, and, and what's really going on there. I think, uh, you know, we've got Google I.O. going on right now. Have you had a chance to distill the, um, you know, the, the feeds coming out of Google? Oh, my God, the week? fire hose of stuff yeah. coming out of Google? <laughs> I, I have not. I mean, I glanced at it last night, but it's, uh, it's so much stuff. There's yeah. so much, you know, I'm going to have to sit down and sort of, uh, maybe I'll wait for John Gruber or somebody to distill it for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. We, we need an arbiter of genius. Exactly. I need a curator, yeah. right? So yeah. it's, it's just so much stuff and some of it's geeky and I don't care about it and some of it's marketing related and there's, there's wave stuff in there. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to distill it. But to your, to your point about, you know, the, every company having a, you know, the, the, 
little black dress or simple black dress. I think I don't think that's the case. I think it's, it, it reminds me when you're when you're saying that it reminds me of that uh, that Pixar movie, The Incredibles, mm-hmm. when uh, the villain says, you know, he wants to make everyone super because when everyone's super, then no nobody one is. is right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> when when everyone has an app, then no one's going to want it. There'll be that's going to force evolution, then something else will come out because apps will be passe, right? Right. So I think I think you know, saying, hey, corporation, you need to have a, you know, an iPhone app, you know, it's a case by case thing, but I don't think it's a blanket sort of everyone needs an application um, on devices in order for your strategy to be complete. All right. See, I'm really glad you said that because I I have this philosophy and it it goes back to to what we were talking about before about just social media tools in general, uh, which is that the tool is is all it is. It's just a tool. It, there will always be room for great content. And the biggest uh, you know, challenge for organizations is to figure out the difference between the tool and the content. Yeah. Uh, and, and not to get those two confused. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all about the content and it's all about the relationship. You know, so if you can if you can build don't just build an app because you have an RSS feed on your site and you want to deliver it through some app making engine um, and you want to be able to tell people, hey, I have an iPhone iPad app, you know, I think the the better the better tack on that is to say we are building another way to communicate with our customers, you know, and whether it's whether it's through the iPhone, whether it's through the browser, whether it's, you know, through YouTube, whatever, it's just another way to start to continue to build that relationship and build up that relationship equity so that at one, you know, a point down the road you could maybe cash in on. It. Well, yeah. And, I, I, and actually Frederick, you had I was going to comment as you were saying that earlier, you you really more or less had said uh, those things as you were talking about, you know, we were kind of having the conversation about PR and social media and internet marketing and, mm-hmm. and, and you were very focused talking about uh, relationships and, and, and relation and, and uh, I don't know. And, and I thought to myself that, you know, really the people who I see who are really very successful at um, adopting social media strategies or um, agencies uh, who are outsourcing are the ones that keep it focused there, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that it's not about uh, so the social media isn't uh, managing a profile, for, you know, for somebody on on Facebook or something like that. I, I think it honestly does get interpreted interpreted as that uh, um, for a lot of companies or or even some agencies. But but everything you've said in this interview, Frederick, has been very much about social media for you being about. Um, in fact, you'd said something about start starting the relationship. Uh, before the marketing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You want to, you know, it's it's not about it's it's sort of like, it's sort of like you know you're in a crowd at a at a mixer or something, and some guy walks up to you and says, "Hello, you want to buy a car?" <laughs> right. You know? Mm-hmm. you know, and you're gonna say, "Get get away from me! I'm enjoying my drink." You know, kind of thing. Uh, but if you so the the point is that's the way advertising and marketing traditionally has worked you know you're sitting and you're you know watching your television program or you're reading a great article in a magazine and boom you get hit with an ad and it's interrupt driven and on a sub- subconscious level i think we're we're annoyed i know i am you know i'm annoyed that i am going to have to push that fast forward on tivo to get past the, the commercial <laughs> but you know and i'm annoyed that with technology is at a point today where they they should know at least a little bit about me in order to not show me that that ad again for XYZ product because I don't want it and they know I'm not going to buy it and I should be able to start a relationship with them 
using the technology of today to say that, you know, I kind of like those kind of things. Or, yes, I do have a Volkswagen, so show me more things about Volkswagen, that kind of thing. So until we get there, we're going to be uh, advertising. There these traditional kinds of advertising are just different shades of annoying. The relationship stuff, stuff comes in where it's like, you know, again, at that party, you're the guy that comes up to you and says, hey, you want to buy a car? You're going to say no. But if you meet someone and you, you start a conversation and you're talking throughout the night and then down the line, they, they may say, hey, you know what? You mentioned that you're in the market for a car. I'm, I have one in my garage I'm trying to get rid of. Are you interested in learning more about it? You know, then you're like, well, yeah, you were listening to me. You know, maybe <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So it's, the, it's a relationship. It's putting That's it all great. together. Well, and and the con, you know, sort of the corollary to that is that we have, uh, you know, we've we've uh, we're in a culture now, as you said, because of the the you know the way technology has changed the way we consume content, that there's this sort of new spirit of entitlement, that I as a consumer of content expect that the ads that hit me that I allow in are going to be pitch perfect. Yeah. Right. When I'm on Facebook, if I don't see an ad now that has my birthday in it. I'm going to get a little frustrated because that means they weren't quite working hard enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Or yeah. males age 38 to 42. Exactly. It's <laughs> creepy. It may be creepy, but now when I'm on TV and I see a, uh, you know, a Q-tips ad, I, I, why do I care about that? You know, why do I care about, um, you know, I don't care about Pillsbury. Care about I don't care about, uh, you know, there, how many things do I not care about? I want my TV to be as smart as these other platforms. They have, exactly. They have conditioned me to expect that. Yeah, and you, you, you're conditioned on with television or that, that one-to-many sort of broadcast metaphor. You're conditioned to take whatever they throw at you and right. just say, okay, they're, just, they, they're paying for the program with this. Okay, I'll accept it because I get the program kind of for free. Right. Um, but, you know, like me, for example, I'm, uh, you know, one of my hidden secrets is I like cartoons. Not, not cartoons like <laughs> the crazy stuff, but like, like superhero animations and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and, you know, if you, you're like watching that sort of thing on TV, you get bombarded with all these toy commercials. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, I understand that they're trying to reach the kids because, you know, I'm a big kid. But, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, they should know that this feed is going into Frederick's house. And Frederick is a 40-something-year-old male. And he likes these kind of things so let's not show him the latest slinky right. maybe we'll show him an ipad app or something you know that right. kind of <laughs> that's perfect that is just perfect and you know what i i can't believe it i feel like we're on the cusp of a whole nother uh, hour conversation which is how do you convert all of those people uh, and once you have that relationship with them, how do you actually activate them and engage them? So, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get it out now, Frederick. I hope we could uh, invite you back to talk with us again sometime on these uh, these wonderful topics. I would love to come back. This is this is stuff I live and breathe. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to come back anytime you invite me. Beautiful. Where uh, where would you uh, should people be interested in learning more about you? Where would you like them to go? Well, on June 1st, um, the MediaBytes.com site will be live to the world and that's at mediabytes.com um, and you can they can go there now and sign up to be notified early there's a there's an email form there that they can sign up for um, but uh, they can also follow me directly on twitter and i'm at twitter.com forward slash frederick van or mediabytes on twitter and that's mediabytes underscore mktg mediabytes marketing on uh on twitter fantastic and we will post all of that information in the show notes 
Uh, and uh, gosh, I, you know, seriously, thank you for your time. You're very gracious to join us, uh, particularly on on some short notice, and and uh, and share your wisdom with us, Frederick. Thanks so it much. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, what, one of the things that I had to catch myself with during uh, that interview was, uh, do I do I stop and take notes now while I'm supposed <laughs> to be interviewing him, or should I just get excited about listening to this? You know, because there were he said some things that I thought were really valuable uh, and valuable for me and and the business that I'm doing. So I, I really think he had a lot of great things to say. And honestly, I was I, I did catch myself. I'm like, okay, note on that. I thought, yeah. ah, just listen to the show later. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we record these things. I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I thought it was terrific. And Thanks I'm, for the reminder. You know, he's, uh, I, 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 it's always nice to have people on the show, you know, I've said this before, of, of, uh, that, that do things that I'm already a fan of. And uh, right. I've been a fan of Frederick and his photography and the, and the This Week in Photography podcast. If you head over to frederickvan.com, he didn't actually uh, publicize this. That's his website, frederickvan.com. And it's great. And, and it is great. And he can uh, see more of his photography and of the, just the, the longer interviews that he slates into This Week in Photography, the podcast. Uh, you know about how how creatives do the work that they do, and it's a it's a very interesting story that's come together uh, through Frederick and his work. I think he's um, one of the, the overriding sense I got from him is that he just has this great perspective um, on a lot of different things, and I think that whole left brain right brain thing that he started out with, you know, gives him that gift of having you know the creative side. And the marketing, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit more businessy side. So it's mm-hmm. just a nice mesh. And Peter, you have that too. But it's just it's it's yeah. nice to hear from him who has he's not so myopic in what he does that he can't lift his head up and see what's going on. So. Well, mostly it's just nice to see another professional who is equally conflicted from time to time. <laughs> I, it's always nice to hear. We have uh, we have tools to talk about, right? We have yeah. way too many tools. Pick yeah, one. We have Somebody ways- pick one. No, you you pick one. Dane, pick one. Uh, you weren't set up to do this, but Mars Edit was something I wanted to hear a little bit more about. But really, uh, uh, other than that, you know, all top. I, I think all we top, should talk. Yeah. is all top the one. Top. Oh, okay. There's so many good ones. We're gonna have to remember these other ones too. All top. Uh, you know, I just rediscovered all top. It's an old. It's kind of an old news story. But uh, you, you know, if you're in the I in the PR business, you know, we've talked about Google uh, using Google News and News Alerts and Google Reader and 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 uh, and so this. All top really fits into that vein of how do you find a quick dashboard to collect stories from sites that are important that are publishing content that have lots of that, that uh, naturally has built in lots of eyeballs and uh, so I started using all top again to surface stories that would be interesting for this show frankly and and uh, uh, and so you you head over to alltop.com and you sign up for a free account. And then you start browsing by category index. So you see the little alphabetical, uh, the, the alphabet uh, across the top uh, header there. You click on, you know, in our case, I click on M for market, and there I see one of the categories is market research. So I click on market research, and I see a curated list of the top sites that talk about things related to market marketing and market research. That includes ad age. It includes, you know, oh, well, you, you know, you name it. If it's out there, it's uh, talking about market research. It's probably in one of the top lists at all top. I click on, uh, you know, a little checkbox right next to the sites I want to add to my own personal all top feed. And then I can visit that feed anytime I want and see the latest stories, the very top stories from those sites, along with the top tip 
top of the top stories uh, circulating right now from that curated list. Uh, and and it's uh, it quickly has become a very valuable part of my media consumption, again, because it goes into that dashboard. You know, I, we talked about Woopra, which gives such a terrific dashboard to your live analytics uh, on your website. We've talked about Google News, which gives you that live dashboard of, you know, the of the stories and topics that are interesting, uh, you know, that are surfacing about your content right now. And now I, I think all top really fits in that it's not as um, um, it, it doesn't make you work as much as some of those other services in determining what you're interested in. But it does create a wonderful curated list of stories that that uh, uh, that are meaningful to your field. Uh, and the cool part about it is that it's so broad in that you can search on a million different things if you yeah. if you want it. It's not just a business focused page. Like I could search for vegan and find you know yeah. stuff on it, and that's what makes it kind of useful for everyone. Yeah, and you can add your own custom pieces. If there are sites that yes. are not surfaced. You can add uh, you know add your own sites, and that that. But makes our question a is that we wanted. We wanted to be able to do an RSS feed, right, of your of your all top page. Yeah, it would be terrific. I, I think that would be a way to totally well, maybe integrate you can, these and things. we just can't figure y- it out. Yeah, so I wonder if anybody knows how to do that. <laughs> please tell us because we don't know how to do that. Um, that that would be kind of the final the final nut. The ultimate y- coolness. Yeah, you can take your all top feed and put it in your Google Reader and have it with <sighs> everything else. That would I know, be right? <laughs> That's that was a little bit too lascivious, I think, of a response megan i'm not sure that was appropriate for the show <laughs> rss feed <sighs> oh yeah rss okay is that simple syndication sorry for no. showing some enthusiasm you gotta be it's, careful pete when you when you tease her that's right because that's <laughs> she will come really, right back at you i hold a grudge <laughs> it's gonna hurt really so. simple syndication <laughs> I'm not even going to go there with what you guys talk about. Okay, okay. okay. Now the sound effects are going to be Well, this was a terrific, uh, a terrific show. What do you guys have to say? Anything else uh, on our list of things to talk about today? I don't think there is. I don't think there is other because there's we so much so to talk things. about. But... So many things. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, slate it for next week, people, because I think we're finished. Put a fork in it. We are. Uh, we're done. So, Dane. Where can people find you if they if they really want to find you? I was thinking about that, and um, <laughs> I kind of want – my office is so lonely. I wish people would just stop by my office. And... <laughs> I'll stop by your office. Peter, let's go to something <laughs> and just stop by. That would be so fun. And maybe maybe later we could go back to my house. <laughs> just everybody come, come on to, to the, the house. Cave. That's right. You know, we can do it with Google Maps, and we'll feel kind of like we're flying now oh. that they have the EarthView plug-in. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You can do it that way. So oh. all this virtual, yeah. So you can find me at Twitter. I'm Alta Dane. You can find me on my website, strike10media.com. And or, you know, my office is <laughs> here in Salt Lake. Or at my desk alone. <laughs> at my desk. I'd love a visitor. <laughs> and Megan, where can people find you? I'm at Megan Strand on Twitter, and I just love Twitter. Can I tell you that? Yeah, you're you're now a regular. Wow, look at you go! I have met the coolest people through Twitter. So, yeah. shout out to all my Twitter peeps because I just love you all. Um, awesome. Or at Encouraged, which is I N C O U R A G E D dot com. I'm so Beautiful. sad I don't have Twitter peeps. Because first you, you have to tweet. tweet. I know. I, I I know. I opened that door for you yeah. guys to walk through. Yep. But I really, you know, Twitter peeps. I don't have any. Okay. I'm gonna get some. You should That's find some. That's my goal. 
I'm I'll be your Twitter, Twitter peep. I'll be a Twitter peep. Mine uh, is at Pete Wright on the Twitter, and uh, you can find me at fifthandmain.com. And anything you want to know about the show, head over to thenakedmarketers.com. You can subscribe to the show. You can join us in iTunes and get the show every single week. Leave uh, us some w- comments. W- please give us some comments. You are, uh, you are very kind people. We just know that you are, and uh, we would love you to share that kindness on our iTunes page. And uh, include a few stars, a few, like more than four. More than four star. I think that's a fair arrangement. Uh, and we will keep bringing you these uh, interviews with awesome people. Note, I did we'll not say... We'll keep it commercial free. We'll keep we it have, commercial free as long as... Have, as, yeah, until as long people as start than, paying us, we well, will no, keep until it... Until we get three stars. If we get three stars, there's going to be commercials. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's a good bargain. That's our threat. Devil's bargain. And uh, so learn about the show. Give us the comments. Follow us on Twitter at Naked Markets. And, uh, well, pretty much just go to the Naked Marketers. You can find out everything you want. And until next week, uh, uh, you people are, you're really fantastic. You look good. You're smart. We like you. Like, darn it. Keep it. And people like you. This has been The Naked Marketers. Naked Marketers.